Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Unicorn Company podcast. Today is going to be an interesting podcast, so let's get straight into the news. On October 15th, as promised, Catalyst released the much-anticipated Volume 19 of the Ilkland Recognition Guides. This was one that everyone was excited for because of the released cover art of an Iron Cheetah, which, along with an omni-derivative of the Grizzly, is the star of the book. The book costs $3.99 and is available on DriveThruRPG and also on the Catalyst website, web store. It has also been announced that Creative Juggernaut will be releasing a Plastic Storm Crow and will be restocking the Clan Buster Black Knight. Once again, it is to, and I quote, This premium item is the second of two created as a test run to gauge the level of interest in the market for premium figures. Due to the success of the first miniature, we have asked that the supplier to make every effort to stock this item in in more quickly and in sufficient quantity. They are already working on how to increase their production. Thank you for your patience. This plastic mech, I'm done with the quote by the way, this plastic mech will have a limited number of minis made and will retail for $24.99. They've also announced that they will be selling bits bags as they become available as these are from miscasts and will cost $9.99 each. I'm kind of glad that this is, the new, this is the news that came up today because it gives us one of our last cat mechs to review this Cattober. And it also segues perfectly into what I want to talk about today, and that would be the hobby, 3D printing, and the relationship between them. Over the past few years, and especially with the increasing affordability of and precision of in-home print 3D printing, Battletech, and in fact, all of the tabletop gaming industry has been increasingly finding itself in a love-hate relationship with 3D printing. From one standpoint, it is incredibly helpful for tabletop games as a whole, but also for Battletech itself, as it allows miniatures masters to go from being sculpted with armatures, green stuff, and other putties to being sculpted as a scalable 3D render, allowing the miniatures to be highly detailed, but also to ensure a consistency of scale between them. This same technology, though, is also a nightmare as you have people who can pull assets from a video game, repair any holes, and make them suitable for 3D printing. And then we have all the minis they want. And then they have all the minis they want. That doesn't even get into the threat that people who design their own assets and sell those, sell those can represent. There is more to examine, though, as to why this is happening. It is a bit deeper than some might think. And I want to take a look at why, because it is affecting far more than just Battletech. I think the key reason, for, key reason for the rising interest in 3D printed minis, either printing them yourself or in purchasing them, has to do with cost. If someone were to look at the cost of a decent resin printer, and also the cost of resin gloves, a Patreon for STL files, etc., you're looking at somewhere in the $300 range to get started. Now this seems like a lot, but at $300 you have a bottle of resin that can produce somewhere around 20 to 30 miniatures. With the average price of a Battletech miniature being around $15, if you get 20 miniatures out of the first bottle of resin, you've already broken even. If you get even more than that, you've done better. Now, your next bottle of resin costs about $30, and you pay $15 a month for a Patreon. If you go through that one bottle of resin again in a month, you've just saved a ton of money. I know some will say, but Carrie, how does that apply to people who are buying the minis off of people printing them? Well, it's pretty simple, because in that case, they're still saving money. A lot of times when they buy from them, they can eventually get shipping f for free over a certain dollar amount. 
So if they're buying models at an average of seven to ten dollars a model, and to hit a free ship, hit free shipping, they're probably need to hit thirty-five dollars, meaning that they are getting at least four miniatures with free shipping for thirty-five. And as much as I love Ironwind medals, you can't beat that kind of pricing. Not even to speak of the limited run mechs by Creative Juggernaut for twenty-four ninety-nine plus shipping. The issues I present there are simply financial concerns. And don't even touch on the ethical quandary that Creative Juggernaut presents to a portion of the community. So, since I'm touching third rails today, let me touch this one. I cannot knowingly give my money to Blaine Pardo's little pet project for a few reasons. First and foremost is his writing. Now, most of what Blaine has written has been books that focus on cold cases or on science fiction in the Battletech universe. He liked to reference Virginia and later the U.S. Civil War in his books, but I also always wrote it off as a weird quirk of him coming from a part of Virginia where he is surrounded by Civil War battlefields. But his recent book, Blue Dawn, and the series that he's written and writing more installments of, comes off as some kind of right-wing propaganda piece to stroke their egos. While I have looked through a good portion of his blog to see if I can find any anti-LGBTQ rhetoric he is accused of, and I haven't found it as of this writing. But, going through his blog, he does espouse very conservative views. He comes off as a Trump apologist. He supports people who are diametrically opposed to the existence of myself and people like me. The worst part about this, when I found out about his views, when I found out that he is who he is, it hurt. Not because of some bleeding heart stuff. No, because I have met the man. I have had him come to games that I've run in the Fredericksburg area years ago. He didn't strike me as a douche. He was quite nice, actually. The other thing that stings is that one of my favorite characters in the Battletech universe, Archer Christafari, was his creation. I like Archer. If he were a real person, he seems like he'd be a pretty awesome guy to hang out with. Finding out that Archer is a creation of, of Blaine's mind and of possibly parts of that viewpoint is what prompted me to create my unicorn company for pride of 2021 that eventually led me here talking to you because if i'm going to have archers avengers they're going to be pink and blue and very much the opposite of what conservative viewpoints blaine seems to espouse so yeah there is a problem for me in buying from creative juggernaut i know some will call it cancel culture on my part well, it isn't. It is just me spending my hobby dollars in a manner that is consistent with my beliefs and also me informing others of the situation so they can make an educated decision. 3D printing, used as an ethical alternative, doesn't just apply to Battletech, though, with the rise of Creative Juggernaut positioning themselves as a future replacement to Ironwind with their FOMO-style releases that are supposedly gauging interest for something that the Force Packs have already proved there's a demand for. It also applies to the bigger elephant in the room, Warhammer 40k, where it seems some of the culture is beginning to seep into the Battletech community and its releases. If you look online, you will see three games primarily having proxy minis made for them in the 3D printing community. Those are Warhammer 40k, Battletech, and Historical Miniatures. I look at Historicals as an outlier as their community was quick to embrace 3D printing as a technology to lower the cost of games. And most historical wargamings concentrate, concentrate on rule sets instead of miniatures, with Battlefront and Warlord being the exceptions. 
so I'm not really going to reference them here. Then we have Battletech and Warhammer 40k. Warhammer 40k, it is definitely arguable that the company's ethics, their use of FOMO, and their insane prices have created the issues they're facing. As for Battletech, it would be something similar, but not quite the same, as the ethical situation isn't as bad, but the supply chain issues, the price of miniatures, and their recent embrace of FOMO through Creative Juggernaut are causing these issues. I also think it, I mentioned that I would be looking at a solution. Well, it's simple. Licensing. Instead of fighting the people who are making 3D miniatures, ride the wave. License to people who would be contractually bound by an NDA, have them send random samples to you of their work for review. You would eliminate supply shortages as the miniatures would be produced domestically in large enough numbers to fill the demand. You wouldn't have to pay for tooling or any other cost other than designing the 3D files. And you would be making a profit off of miniatures with little to no effort. I understand there's a risk. Alternatively, you could contract people to print just one component for you, such as thug arms. They would produce the required quantity in the allotted time and ship them to you. Then you would have all the parts from all the little tiny manufacturers bagged in their appropriate little packages and distribute them from there. It cuts down the odds of files being shared as you would need all the files from different people to produce one miniature as opposed to a person being able to share all the files for a mini and risk them being distributed illegally. What I do know is that eventually these companies will have to learn to ride that wave or they'll be pulled, uh, pulled into the undertow as of, this new, new, yeah, of this newly developing technology. Now, with all of that said, and I thank you for listening to this point, let's hop into this week's mech for Cattober, brought to you by Mift Kitty Minis. So, today's mech tech will be all about a new mech from the book we just covered in the news, The Iron Cheetah. As you may remember a few episodes I discussed, a few episodes ago, I discussed the possibility of what this mech will look like, and I have to say I'm not disappointed as to what they did. While I think I was expecting something with a bit more speed, I feel they did a good job at turning the art from the original Iron Cheetah into a very effective mech. As far as the reasoning for the mech, I think it's quite funny as well. Apparently because the direwolf wasn't very popular with elementals and clan smoke jaguar, because of how long they had to ride before getting in range to deploy, Lincoln Osis said, make it faster. You can't get any more direct, and you also can't get any more classic than a military commander telling someone who develops their equipment, make it faster, without any regard for how the hell that's supposed to happen. Unfortunately for the Smoke Jaguars, and quite fortunately for the Inner Sphere, the machine never saw widespread deployment, as it was just beginning to be deployed during the operation to wipe out Clan Smoke Jaguar. Because of this, it didn't reach widespread deployment until 3150, when the Sea Foxes began selling the mech on the open market. Before that, they had an exclusive contract with the Republic of the Sphere, and the Draconis Combine had a small handful they had captured from the Jaguars. One last thing I noticed is that this mech is a hard retcon into the clan invasion era. With the fact that it was deployed and used by Clan Smoke Jaguar in limited numbers, this is an interesting this is interesting because it can make the mech low-key enough to fly under the radar in most situations in that era. The one place that I find it odd not to see this though is in the book Highlander Gambit. At least I think no, actually it might be an impetus to war. Um, I can't remember which book. 
and I might have misresearched there. But yeah, it was Impetus to War, uh, where we encountered Clan Smoke Jaguar's Omega Galaxy, which was specifically built to be a spearhead in a renewed push for Terra. I'm not complaining, as I like the mech being added to the canon finally from its roots in Mech Force North America, but I think it's funny that they retconned it in, instead of having it be something that wasn't deployed until the Dark Age. Like, designed and deployed, I guess. So, let's take a look at the design itself. The Iron Cheetah is a 100-ton machine that is built on an endosteel frame to lower its weight at the cost of free physical space on the mech. It's powered to speeds up to 60 kilometers an hour by a 400-rated 400 400 extra light engine and has 16 double heat sinks on its base chassis. For protection, it carries 16 tons of ferrofibrous armor. In its primary configuration, it carries a Gauss rifle with 2 tons of ammunition and 2 medium pulse lasers in the right arm. An Artemis 4 guided LRM-15 filled by 2 tons of ammunition and 2 ERPPCs in the left arm an anti-missile system in the left torso, and a rear-mounted ER small laser in its right torso. This configura the configuration of the mech is a deadly long-range fighter with decent close-range support weapons. The BV of the primary configuration is 2866. The Alpha configuration is an inf infantryman's nightmare come alive. Its longest-ranged weapons are a pair of large pulse lasers mounted in the left arm. At close range, the mech becomes substantially deadlier with a right arm mounted Ultra Auto Cannon 20 that has two tons of ammunition. This is supplemented by a pair of Streak SRM-6 launchers, one in each side torso, that share two tons of ammunition. For anti-infantry work, it has an active probe to assist in finding hidden units and six machine guns, allow allowing it to wreak havoc upon in any infantry squatted encounters. This variant has a BV of 2708. The next variant is the Bravo, and it's downright terrifying. It carries a payload of one large pulse laser and a trio of medium pulse lasers in each arm, with an ER small laser in the center torso almost as a space filler. These are all attached to an advanced targeting computer to increase their already incredible accuracy. This is all combined with the enhanced mobility of jump jets that make this mech able to traverse rough and dense terrain easily, and make it far more maneuverable than a mech its size usually is. The mech comes in at a staggering 33.3 BV and is worth every point. Following that is the Charlie variant. This variant of the Iron Cheetah has a mix of long and short range firepower, making it effective at just about any range. For long range engagements, it has an LRM-15 launcher with one ton of ammunition and a pair of ER large lasers in each arm. Once an enemy closes, it can bring its short range weapons to bear, which consists of a pair of medium pulse lasers and a Streak SRM-2 launcher in each arm again. The missile launchers share a single ton of ammunition and allow the Iron Cheetah to seek out weak points in an opponent's armor. This configuration comes in at 2915 BV. The Iron Cheetah Delta is a brawler and sniper in one. Carrying a Gauss rifle in its left torso and two ER large lasers in its right arm, it can hit out to 25 hexes. Once an opponent closes the brawling range though, its ER medium laser comes to play as well as its deadly LB-20X autocannon that carries three tons of ammunition. Almost as an afterthought, it has a single rear-mounted ER small laser. The Delta has a BV of 3416. Finally, we have the Lima configuration. This is the only one which originates in the Dark Age era. It is effectively a short-range brawling mech. 
In its left arm, it carries a quad mount of improved heavy medium lasers. Its right arm mounts a Hyper Assault Gauss Rifle 40 with four tons of ammunition. It has a large pulse laser and two rear mounted, two rear mounted medium pulse lasers in its left torso and a light active probe to detect hidden units. This mech is configured around the idea of being stuck in a bad situation and fighting its way out. I find it to be very scary in an urban environment. The BV of the Lima configuration is 3416. So let's take a look at the Alpha Strike variants. Okay, so they have not released official Alpha Strike stats for the mech yet, but I've run the numbers. And this is what I'm coming up with. So the Iron Cheetah Prime, and some of the stats will not change. So let's go over those first. So on the Iron Cheetah, overall, type is Battle Mech, size 4, target movement modifier 1, movement of 8, structure 6, or sorry, structure 5, armor 10. That's every variant, unless I give you a, a hey, look, this is different. And there's only one variant where that's different. So starting with the primary variant, it has a short, medium, and long of 6 with an overheat of 2. Specials of anti-missiles, AMS, anti-missile system, case, indirect fire 1, LRM 111, and Omni. Uh, the prime variant is 58 points. Overall, I mean, it's good at any range. And, I mean, I kind of like it, but there's some more impressive variants in here. So we'll go into those. So next up, we have the Alpha variant, comes in at 59 points, has a short of 8, a medium of 7, a long of 2, no overheat value, and its specials are Case, Omni, Probe, and Recon. So overall, this is pretty effective as far as like a, if you want an urban combat unit that's capable of essentially finding hidden enemies and stuff like that this is what you take i mean you're not going to worry so much about the long range value your medium and sh short range values are super high and you know quite frankly it's a good assault mech for urban environments not as good as the next one though the bravo variant now this is the one the only one with a change to the movement profile or anything like that. This one is 8 jump instead of just 8. Otherwise, everything's the same. Your short and medium firepower are both 7. Your long is 3. You have an overheat of 2. Specials are energy and omni. So where the alpha would be the one in the group finding the hidden things... This one can hop around and surprise those hidden things. Um, it also gives you the ability to flank in an urban environment really well. It's not super maneuverable as far as Alpha Strike mechs go, but that added jumping movement is useful in built-up terrain and does give it a slight edge over the Alpha. Also, the fact that it's energy means that it, you cannot lose it to a 2 on a critical roll because it doesn't have ammunition to blow up. So, awesome sauce, right? Anyway, let's look at the Charlie. So this has the base stat line. Uh, short six, medium six, long five, overheat three. 
if you really want to get spicy. Its specials are Case, Indirect Fire 1, LRM 111, and Omni, which seems a lot like the, uh, you know, a lot like the, the primary variant, except you don't hit as hard at long range and have slightly better overheat value. Um, also, you're dropping the anti-missile system. So if essentially, if you need an extra point to fit this thing into your, your list, it's there. Because this one and the Bravo, by the way, both come in at 57 points. Well worth it. The Delta configuration, all the baseline stats are the same. Um, this one is good if you are planning on dealing with some anti-aircraft stuff. Because, yeah, I mean anti-aircraft you know you, you have to have that and it's a good thing to have quite frankly um this one short medium are both six long is four no overheat value it has case ecm so where the where one variant does the finding this one can block like c3 networks and stuff like that flak one one nil and omni so flak is really effective if your opponent if, yeah, excuse me. If your opponent brings helicopters, um, I don't know if I'd have to look and check. I think it works on wing and ground effect vehicles, um, aerospace fighters, conventional fighters, because if you miss by two, you're still doing flak damage. And while flak usually isn't a super high value, it's still like, especially on like a, a helicopter, they might have two three armor structure combined so that gets pretty scary for them pretty quick and of course that one comes in at 55 points the last one we have is the iron Sheeta lima this has a point value of 68 points so this is the most expensive of any of them but there's a reason for this so it also has a slightly different movement value it has a movement of 10 because i think it has a supercharger um short seven medium six long of four overheat of four if you feel like shutting your mech down in an instant i mean at least the next turn you know you're gonna be able to cool off right um if you live through it your specials are case two so once again it's impervious to ammo explosions which is always nice because getting having your opponent or yeah getting a two or a 12 on critical against you know against your mech that just sucks this at least eliminates one of them. Um, light probe, Omni, Recon, uh, Flak 212, which is really weird, but okay. Um, so at long range and short range, aerospace fighters and helicopters are wetting themselves when this thing shoots at them because God knows it can hurt you. And then, of course, the the thing I used didn't compute it, but every other time I've ever used it, it computed this for anything with the same loadout to the rear. So it I've set it up with a rear one one nil. That might be wrong, mind you. All of this might be wrong because this is not using the master unit list because this isn't on the master unit list yet. This is actually going through and doing the calculations the old school way, like you did back in the eighties. When you played Battletech with paper, pencil, and all your sheets were filled in until you got to the correct configuration as far as the armor value. 
So a little bit of a throwback to the old days when we actually had to uh, do everything by hand and did not have stuff like Solaris Skunk Works or, um, I would say Heavy Metal Pro, but Heavy Metal Pro has not been updated since, oh God, I, I think the last update to Heavy Metal Pro, my, 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 my kid was six and she's like 21, so... <laughs> That tells you how long that program's been left to languish, right? Um, but yeah, we didn't have all the fancy programs back then. We had to use a, you know, pen, paper, calculator if, if you had it, because we didn't have cell phones that had calculators in them yet either. That was something that came along pretty late. So, yeah. Um, but anyway, so I do hope that you have enjoyed this episode of... Well, I was going to say episode of Mech Tech, but it's also a unicorn unicorn company so anyway y'all have a great day well before i even do that just wanted to remind you we do have a facebook group check it out um it's still kind of small but hey you know it's growing um but yeah have a great day great evening great whatever it is where you are and um yeah that's about it for tonight i will talk to y'all in one week again actually less than a week because this is late um, and we will cover the last of the Cattober mechs because I didn't realize there's another weekend before the end of October. So, yeah, on the 30th or 31st, depending on how busy I feel, I will be uh, releasing the last of the Cattober mechs. And I think the, oh god, I can't remember the name of it now. Oh well, I, I'll. The Shadow Cat 3, I think it is. The Skinwalker. Oh, yeah. It's going to be Halloween. We need something with a creepy name, right? Anyway, y'all have a good one.